Welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. Summit Church Online. My name is Connor Mason. I'm a pastor on staff here at Summit, and we're so glad that you're with us today, wherever it is you're joining us from, whether you know you're riding in your car, you're sitting in your living room, wherever it is, we're glad that you're here in a part of summer at Summit. Today, we're going to continue our series entitled Motives Matter. And this series is all about the book of Proverbs. And we've been in it six weeks now, and I I really believe if you haven't went back and listened to the other messages, I would encourage you to go back, listen to those, take notes over them. I believe they could really help you in your life. And we're also doing something right now called the Summit Summer Challenge. And you you may say, well, how do I be a part of that challenge? Well, what we can do is you can either come up to our church office and we have these resources that we can give you. Or what we'll do is we'll share the link to the Bible plan in uh, the comments right now. And you can click on that and you can be a part of it. Right now we're walking through the book of Proverbs. And at the tail end of it we'll walk through the book of Psalms. And this is something you can do that, that helps you stay in the community of the church. Helps you grow more as a family as you're following the Lord throughout this summer. And it's something uh, our lead pastor David Gadbury really is pushing. And we really want everybody to be a part just so that we can stay spiritually strong during the summer. And so you can be a part of that, and we'll have a link in the comments or either in the description that you can be a part of. So before we go any further, we want to get right into God's Word this morning. And this morning, we're going to be talking about developing discernment. Developing discernment. So what is discernment? Discernment is just being able to to see between the difference whether something is true or false, whether it's uh, maybe good or it's God. It's God giving us the ability by His Spirit to see something as it truly is, not as our flesh would want to see it. And today we're going to talk about developing that gift on the inside of us. And I believe every believer has been given the Spirit of God, and that Spirit is supposed to help us discern between right and wrong. And you may say, well, you know, sometimes it may not even seem wrong. It may feel right. And that's the difference between whether it's good or whether it's God. And so today we're going to be talking about that. And in uh, our text this morning, we're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 6 through 9. And it'll come up on your screen right there. And this is what it says. And Solomon said, You have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne, as it is this day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David. But I'm just a little child. I don't know how to go out or how to come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil. 
For who is able to judge this great people of yours? Let's pray. God, we come to you this morning. We're thankful for your word. God, give us a discerning heart. Give us a discerning spirit. Help us to cultivate that gift and grow that gift that you've given every believer. And I pray that if anybody's listening today that doesn't know you, that by the end of this message, God, that your spirit would touch their heart and they would make a decision to follow you. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we read in this text in 1 Kings, Solomon is in a conversation with God. It's one of the most fascinating texts that you can find in the Bible because Solomon is literally in a dialogue with the living God. He's sitting here and he's talking to him and and Solomon comes before God with such humility. And I really want to hammer this home as we uh, begin this sermon because Where we begin on this journey of developing discernment is so important. Beginnings are important. How we start something is very important. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 1 that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, the fear of the Lord is not us being afraid of God. God doesn't want us to be afraid of Him, but He wants us to honor Him. And Solomon is showing us right here. I love what he says. He tells God in 1 Kings chapter 3, You have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart with you. So Solomon is acknowledging that his father was blessed by God because of the way David saw God. David viewed God rightly. David magnified the Lord. David exalted the Lord in a high place in his life. And that's why he was blessed. And Solomon took note of that. And Solomon is saying here, before I begin ruling, before I begin reigning, God, I need you to put your hand on my life. Before I begin doing anything, I need you at the center of my life. And this is what he says. He comes to a low place. He comes from a very lowly place. He says, you have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant, me, king, instead of my father, David. And this is where he gets low. He says, but I'm just a little child. I don't know how to go out or to come in. I really don't know how to make decisions. In this moment where Solomon gets the throne, he's the king. He's rolling. He's at the top of the food chain. Who's to say what he can do or not do? Who's to say what he can say or not say? He doesn't ask God for power or possessions or authority or popularity among the people. He asks God to bless him. And how does he do that? He gets low before God. I love what the Bible says in Psalms chapter 75, verse 7. This is what it says, but God is the judge. He puts one down and exalts another. Many times in our life, we can find ourselves trying to exalt ourselves, trying to pick ourselves up, trying to lift ourselves up into a high place. I know I've tried doing that in my life at times, and it never works out. The Bible says that pride comes before a fall. So if you feel yourself kind of, you know, uh, you know, you know, high on your own supplier. You feel like, man, I, I'm, I'm the dog. I'm the guy that's on the top of the food chain. I'm the one that's moving and shaking and doing things. I'm telling you, get low before God. Bend your knee before Him. Get into prayer. Submit yourself to the Lord. Surrender to His ways. Solomon has such humility despite the great position 
that he has. I would say as God continues to help elevate us, as he gives you success in your business, as you see your family growing, as you see your kids becoming successful, as good things are happening to you, don't forget that God is the one who raises one up and puts one down. This is how awesome Solomon's viewpoint and perspective was. Prior to this, uh, these, these verses we're reading, Solomon asks for wisdom. Solomon's not looking to make his own name great. He's looking to make God's name great. And God tells Solomon, because you haven't asked for riches or wealth or power or popularity, I'm going to give you every one of those things. Solomon understood that life has a way of getting to our heads. Solomon understands that without God as the main thing in our life, we can't tell where we are headed. It's a spiritual gift to be able to discern. Solomon had to ask God for wisdom. Now, in my life, I love hanging out with people who have wisdom. That's code for quote-unquote a little older. I love spending time with them because they have walked down roads I haven't walked down. They have lived life that I haven't lived. There are things up ahead of me that they can warn me of. I love being around people that have wisdom. Now, if it's a good thing to be in the company and in a multitude of people that have wisdom, how much more important is it to have God giving us wisdom? How much more important is for Him to be pouring out that wisdom Onto us. Without him, it's impossible to do anything. And it's very important as we begin walking through life, as we're making decisions for our lives, as we're parenting our children, as we're doing things like this, making business decisions, we don't need our own wisdom. We need God to give us wisdom. We need heavenly wisdom. We need him interceding. We need him helping us walk this road out. If we lose sight of the Spirit of God and the Word of God, we will be aimless. We will be void of a compass. Now, I've hiked a little bit in my life, and I've done things like that, and it's very important to know where you're going. I don't want to start a journey out without knowing the, the route that I need to walk on. And this is what Solomon did. He is saying, God, before I begin my journey... Before I do another thing, I need you more than any other thing. I don't know how to go out or come in. I'm just a child. I need you to teach me wisdom. God is the one that guides us into all truth. Many times we get mixed up and we're trying to mix bits and pieces of worldly knowledge in with the Word of God. Or, or maybe uh, uh, worldly lifestyles in with the Word of God. And God is saying, follow after me. Hear my voice. Follow me. Let me be your shepherd. We need the truth of the Word of God. And when we hear sometimes, well, you need the truth of the word of God. You need to follow God. You need to follow his way. You need to follow his will. Many times we feel like that's chains binding us or shackles binding us or holding us back. And really, truth is the thing that sets us free. This is what the Bible says. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Freedom comes from knowing God's word. Freedom comes from being in a relationship with Jesus. Do you feel heavy today? Do you feel like your life is holding you back? 
Do you feel like you've made decisions that have you in a place that you can't get out of? Let the truth set you free today. The Bible says that he leads us into green pastures. The Bible says that he leads us beside still waters. Now, one thing that I know about shepherds is that they do not force the sheep to eat. God is not going to put your head down in the grass so that you'll eat. God is going to lead you to where you should go, and he's going to expect you to feed yourself. He's going to expect you to take in and drink for yourself. He's going to lead you there, but we have to co-labor with God to follow him. The Bible says, taste and see that he is good. It's something that we have to do. We have to taste and see that God is good. You may have been following God for a while. Or you may not even know what this is about. But if you're in a place of complacency today, I would tell you, reach out. Taste and see that he is good. Get into his word. As you're hearing the message today, write down things that the Spirit of God is highlighting to you. Taste and see that he is good. One way that I do that in my life is coming to church. Being in the community of believers. Getting up out of my house coming to church and being around other people. I get around them. I hear about their life. I hear about how God's moving in their life. And I am tasting and seeing that God is good. I'm telling you, there's nothing more encouraging than hearing how God has moved on behalf of another person. The Bible says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. This means that when I hear somebody else's story or God moves into my life, that, that it's, it's a prophecy for me that it can happen for me. If he did it for them, why couldn't he do it for me? This is how important it is to taste and see that the Lord is good. I pray today, and I pray this consistently in my own life. I pray it for my family, for my daughter. Lord, help us to have the discernment to know what's right and wrong. Help us to have the discernment to determine whether something is just good or whether it's God. That when I come to a crossroads of a decision, I'm saying to myself and I'm praying to God, God, I know this looks right. I know it may even feel right, but is it your will? Is it your plan? Is it your direction? No matter who I am around, no matter the situation, God, let me have discernment. I know sometimes it can be hard, but depending on the circle that you're in, that you have the discernment of God. Sometimes we want to look a certain way. Sometimes we want to uh, project ourselves in a certain way. And God is saying, forget all of that foolishness. Forget all of it. Follow me. Follow my will. And I pray today that God would help you develop that discernment. Let us see the difference between what is good and what is evil. There are three ways that we can develop discernment. And we're going to go into these right now. And the first is a reverence for God. Revering the Lord. As we said earlier in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I can remember being a, a kid, and my dad was somebody that we were supposed to respect. And I really never even heard my dad say, hey, respect me, honor me. I never heard him say that, but by his actions, 
by how he treated us, it made me want to honor my dad. I still honor him to this day. He's one of the hardest working people I know. He would do anything for his family. He would do anything for his children. My mom, the same way. And there's a certain honor and respect that you have for people that make an impact in your life. And the Bible's telling us before you begin in wisdom, if you say, man, I want to operate in wisdom, I want to know how to make decisions on uh, who my spouse is going to be one day or where I should go in this business endeavor, whatever it may be, before you do any of that, you need to be just like Solomon. God I really can't do this without you. You've given me giftings. You've given me abilities. But God, without you leading me and without me following you, nothing is going to happen. We have to magnify and fear the Lord. God is who God is despite whether you believe it or not. Whether you see him that way or not, God is who God is. He doesn't have ego. He's not really worried about uh, somebody liking him. But he is a faithful father, and he wants to know his children. And the Bible talks about magnifying the Lord and exalting his name in Psalm chapter 34, verse 3. And this is what it says. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Let's break this down a little bit. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. What happens when we magnify something? If there is a small ant on the ground and you put a magnifying glass over it, it makes the ant big. It doesn't change the size of the ant, but it makes the viewpoint of the ant big. It makes it large in your vision. The same is with God. God is massive. He is big. The earth is his footstool. There's nothing. He exists in time, in the past, and in the future all at the same time. This is who God is. God doesn't need us. We need him. And the way we view God uh, determines the level in which he is going to be moving in our life. If I see God as a big deal, if I magnify him, if I exalt him, That is going to mean that I believe that God can move in my life in a big way. Magnify the Lord. Make him big in your life. And then it says in the latter part of the text, let us exalt his name together. Exalt, what does that mean? To lift up, to pick up, to raise up. When we sing songs like, I exalt thee. We're telling ourselves, we're telling our spirit man that, God, you are big in my life. Before money, before relationships, before whatever it is, you are big in my life. Let us exalt his name together. Exalt and magnify are both words that remind us to make God big in our lives. In what we honor, we value. It's a knowing that he is the main thing. What we honor, we elevate and lift to a place in our lives so that now we view God in the right way. When God is rightly revered, we surrender our rights for his way. When you made the decision to follow Jesus, you told him, I'm going to surrender my heart to you. What does that mean? When I feel like I should fight for my own rights and what I think and what I believe, You have to surrender that to the foot of the cross. We live in a day and age where everybody's talking about their rights. 
their opinions, what they want, how I should be treated. This is how I should be viewed, blah, 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 blah. And God is saying, if you've surrendered your life to me, you laid your rights down at the foot of the cross, and now my way is your way. We have to say to ourselves, just like the Apostle Paul did in Galatians 2.20, I have crucified myself. Nevertheless, I live but Christ that lives in me, who loved me and gave himself for me. This is what we do now. This is how we're supposed to be as Christians. It's not about my rights and how I feel. It's about what God has to say about the situation. So when you get cut off in traffic, instead of, you know, flipping out, which around here in, in Amarillo and Canyon, you better have the Spirit of God operating in your life. Or you're going to be getting cranky all the time. You have to operate in the Spirit of God. Now, I know that's a funny way of looking at it, but God wants His Spirit moving in every decision of your life. So the next time you think, man, I, I feel like I should be justified in this anger. I'm justified in how I feel. No, 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 no. Surrender that to the foot of the cross and say, God, I know it feels right to be mad in this moment, but I'm surrendering my will to your way. Something that the Bible says that's been very applicable in my life because I can be quick to temper. I can be quick to, to move in a certain way like that. And I've got to check myself because it gets bad. And the Bible says, be slow to speak, be quick to listen, be slow to anger. Be angry, but sin not. These little practical steps can get you out of a world of hurt and help you develop discernment. Revere the Lord. There is power in a surrendered life to Christ. Have we forgotten this in the day in which we live? We live in the day of plenty. We don't really want for anything. Yeah, gas prices may be high. Yeah, certain things may be happening. But listen, we have so much at our disposal that sometimes I think we forget about God. We need Him operating and moving in every area of our life. Surrender your life fully to Him. There's power in a surrendered life to Christ. The second way we develop discernment is feasting on God's Word. Feasting? Connor, what are you talking about? Feasting? Eating? Exactly. Feasting on God's Word. When you get into the text, when you get into the Bible, you are sitting down for a meal. This is something that's supposed to nourish you, refresh you, replenish you. This is what God's Word does. And I have a question. How can we discern what is true when we don't even know the truth? How can we know what's truth or false when we don't know the truth? The Bible talks about you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Jesus talks about abiding in his word. And this is what he says in John chapter 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. But if you abide in me... And my words abide in you. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Abide. We hear that so much in this particular text. Abide in me, and I will abide in you. This is literally 
Him saying, live in me, dwell in me, make your home in my word, plant yourself in my word. There is not a problem in this life you will face that the word of God cannot help you discern between. Not one problem. And you may say, Connor, well, they didn't, they didn't have the same issues in biblical times as we do now. There's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing that we're going through today that somebody hasn't seen before in a certain sense. The Word of God is here to guide us and help us walk through every issue of life. The question is, when we read His Word, when we get it down on the inside of us, will we obey it? Will we follow it out? Jesus says we have to abide in His Word. We have to make our home. We have to set up residence in His Word. That's where we live. That's where I walk around. That's where I have my home in. And you say, well, I can quote Scripture. Well, I will tell you this. There was somebody else that could quote Scripture in the Bible, and he used it in the wrong sense. His name was the devil. And I want to tell you today that if you feel like, man, I can quote Scripture, I kind of get into the Word every now and then. If you don't see that fruit being born in your life, get into His Word. Continue to stay in it because God wants to do something in your life. Every single person that is listening to this message today, you have a purpose, you have a plan for your life, and God wants to do something amazing through your life. But it's going to be contingent upon will we get into His Word and will we follow and obey His voice. We must be living, standing, and planted in God's Word. Every summer when I was growing up, I would go spend time with my grandfather uh, in a little community called Happy Union outside of Plainview, Texas. Now, this was a farming community, and they uh, had conventional cotton. And so on conventional cotton, you could not spray Roundup on it because it would kill the cotton. You had to literally go out in the field from sun up to sundown and hoe cotton. What does that mean? You get a hoe, a garden tool, and you get every weed out of that field. Now, these are huge fields. Me, I would take some of my buddies with me, and we would spend all day in the heat. Now, this was before we had, you know, headphones and all of this, so we would have one guy that had the loudest speaker turning up some music, and we would just get after it. But we had to tend to the field. We had to tend to what my family had planted. And as you're planting the seeds of truth by getting into God's word in your life, are you tending the field? Are you continually getting into the field and, and getting the weeds out? Are you getting the things that will choke the life out of your, your uh, harvest? Now, there was one time where we were doing this. My granddad saw that we were doing a bad job. And, you know, he, he's a war veteran. He was a tough man. I love him uh, to this day. He has gone on to heaven at this point. But, man, he got out there. He was so mad at us because all of this cotton represented something. It represented money. It represented something that my family needed, and he saw that we weren't doing a good job. So he grabs the garden tool out of our hands, and he used to always make noises, and it was the funniest thing. I mean, it sounded like he was casting a spell on somebody. He, I mean, it was like, what are you saying, Grandpa? He would get this garden tool, and he would make the whole circle. I think one time he did it barefoot. He got so mad at us. He just took his shoes off and took off. And this is something that is so important in our lives. Are you tending to the field that God has given you watch over? 
the field of your heart, the field of your soul. The Bible is something that can discern between the contentions of your heart. It sees what you're deciding. It sees how you're living and walking throughout your life. I can't tell you how many times I've got into the Word, and I've heard it said this way many times, and it's so true. And I think I'm reading the Word, and the whole time it's reading me. It's telling me where I should go. It's slowly and surely correcting me and guiding me and pushing me in a direction in which God wants me to go. This is why the community of the church is so important as well. Because you get around people that are doing the same things you're doing. If you're trying to be in the Word, get around people that are trying to do the same thing. This is why we're talking about the Summit Summer Challenge so much. This is why we talk about small groups and being in church on Sunday so much. Because we know that it's going to help you tend to the garden of your heart. It's going to help you root out the things that need to be ripped up out of your life. The community of the church is so important. God has called you to fly like an eagle, but you can't do that when you're hanging out with chickens. you got to be in a community of people that are helping you fly. Get in that community. I love this verse in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. It says this, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. This whole series, we're talking about motives. How our motives matter. Many times we talk about how, man, sin has consequences. When you live a life of sin, it has consequences. Yes, it does. But let me tell you something. Ideas have consequences. Thoughts have consequences. Attitudes have consequences. Because all of these things, the enemy is using to drive you to a place of destruction. There's a story of a pastor that traveled to Israel and he's riding in the caravan with all of these people and they're seeing the fields with the shepherd and the sheep and it's a beautiful thing and he sees a shepherd driving these sheep and he, he looks at the guide and he says, I didn't know shepherd drove sheep like that. I've never heard of that or seen anything like that. And the guide says, you're right, that's not the shepherd, that's the butcher. The devil is trying to drive you and push you, and God is saying, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, get into my word, surrender your life to me, surrender your rights to me, and follow me and see if your life doesn't change forever. The final way to develop discernment, and I'm closing with this, is to trust and obey the voice of God. I want to ask you a question today. Do you know how to hear God's voice do you know what it's like to hear his voice? Do you believe he speaks to you? When we learn how to listen to God, we will have a discerning spirit. You may say, Connor, I don't believe God speaks to me. I don't believe he does that. I've never heard him one time. But I want to tell you today, he does speak to you. And he wants to speak to you. Our God is a faithful father and it would be unlike any faithful father to not want to speak to his children. His voice and guiding is our greatest protection for our futures, for our families, and the list goes on. His voice helps us decide between what feels right and what is right. It helps us discern between, God, I know that 
everything is pushing me in this direction. And this feels like the right thing to do. But what does your word say? What is your will concerning this situation? I think about the temptation of Jesus. And he's fasted 40 days and 40 nights. And I don't know about you, but I would be running to the nearest McDonald's at the end of a fast like this. And Jesus is in his moment of one of his moments of greatest need. And the devil tempts him with food and with water. Now, let me tell you something. At the end of 40 days of fasting, I'm sure water and food would be a good thing. But God knew that this, Jesus knew that in this moment, that my sustenance and my uh, livelihood is not going to come from something that the world can give, but I'm leaning on God. And when moments come in our lives like that, the enemy wants to whisper in your ear and he just wants to say, give up. Come over here. That's what we're talking about today in Proverbs. Lady Folly is, is calling out, come here. It feels right. It looks right. But wisdom is saying, no, flee. Get away from that. Lean into the rhythms of grace. Lean into what God wants for you. And you will see your life follow a life of true discernment. It's His will that you make wise decisions. God doesn't want you living in a place of dysfunction and wrong decision making and continual sin cycles. He doesn't want that for you. God wants you to make wise decisions. He's not waiting for you to make another bad one. He wants to help you make the right ones. So how do we hear God's voice? By way of the Holy Spirit. Before Jesus ascended into heaven, after dying on the cross for our sins and being raised again from the dead, he did one thing. He told the disciples, I am sending a helper to you. And he told them this, it would be better if I left and that he came. That's a powerful statement. The son of the living God, the resurrected Savior told the disciples that he had been walking with. It would be better if I left and that the helper came. He will be in you. He will be with you and upon you. He will give you direction, bring things to your remembrance, and help you understand the truth. God wants us to be aware of His Holy Spirit. And if you're a believer today, you have that Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. And if you don't know God today, I would pray that you would make a decision to follow Him and that His Spirit would help guide you into all truth. And we know that truth is the thing that sets us free. Do you need freedom in your life? Are you bound by the chains of sin? Are you bound by the chains of bad decision making? Have you made so many bad decisions you have put yourself now in a pit that you can't find yourself out of? I was in the same situation if you find yourself in that situation today. And I called out on God and He rescued me. Were there certain things I had to do that were tough? Did I have to get out in the field when it seemed tough and weed out some things that had been planted in my life? Yes. But God wants to help you do that. And by the power of His Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that rose Him from the dead, that can happen. I want to leave you with one verse today. In Isaiah 26, verse 3, this is what it says. You will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because He trusts in you. Trust in God. Let perfect peace be something you're found in. Let your mind be stayed on Christ. And all of this will happen because you put your trust in Him. 
When we decide to follow Jesus, we surrender our rights at the foot of the cross and we say, God, your will is now my way. I will follow you in every situation. It's not about what I want, my rights, my feelings, how I feel about something. Nope, I surrendered that when I made a decision to follow you, Jesus. And I want to do that with the rest of my life. You need discernment to parent your kids. You need discernment to make right decisions. You need discernment to lead your family. You need discernment in the Spirit of God in every area of your life. And you can have that today. Let's pray. God, we come to you this morning and we are so thankful for the presence of God. We are so thankful for the Word of God. We are so thankful for your voice that speaks clarity in the middle of confusion. If we've ever needed discernment, God, we need it now. In a time where truth and false are blurred all the time, we need your voice to come and separate all the noise. And God, I pray that as people are listening today, Father, that you would convict their heart. Let your Holy Spirit speak to them today. And if you don't know Jesus this morning, let's pray this prayer together. God, I will follow you. I submit my life to you. Your will, your way over my way. God, I want you to be my Savior, my Lord, and my Master. I surrender my life to you. I submit my way to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you heard the message today and God was moving on your heart, I would ask that you would reach out to somebody here on Facebook Live right now or on YouTube right now. That you would fill out the form so we could get connected with you and help you walk this journey out. Church, we love you. We are so thankful that God is moving in your life. And I pray today that God minister to you. Have a great rest of your week. Thank you for being a part of the Summit Church podcast today. We pray that God used today's podcast to draw you closer to Him. You can stay in the know at Summit by following us on social media. Thank you again for being a part. This is the Summit Church Podcast.